Welcome to this week's podcast, episode number, what is it, Skylar? 36. 36, 36, and it is once again brought to you by Chef Notepad. It is an awesome tool. Please check it out. It stores your recipes, does your food costing. You can share it. There's a million applications. Go and have a look at that on Instagram for me. Do that now. Okay, waiting. Nope, thank you. Yep, do that later. But right now, sit back. This one is probably one of, it actually is Australia's best restaurant that's opened up this year, in my opinion, but, uh, Mr. Ben Williamson from Agnes. It has been booked out for pretty much six months in advance since it opened. The ambient is amazing. You're going to hear all about it and Ben's amazing story. Uh, much like a lot of people, he's worked very hard to get where he is and he is a really humble human being who I get to call my friend. So sit back and enjoy Mr. Ben Williamson and get to know him better. Cheers. Now we'll just get back at the beginning. Hey. Yeah. Try not to tell him we start early. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen bloody, like, who is it? Joe Rogan and them. They, they start early, okay? That's us. We get the juicy gossip. Yeah. <laughs> Phones off kids. Um, yeah, if, um, if you do want to stop, we can. Like, you guys go, mate, you can't say that. No. <laughs> that was one night out a long time ago. We can't say that. Hey, just, just put your hand up if you want to stop at all. No worries. I think uh, we should be all right. Yeah, no, we should be good. Um, you'd think I'd have lots of questions and paperwork everywhere, but not really. We on. Talk to you later about that one. Okay, so getting close to the mic, Mr. Ben Williamson, uh, Agnes Restaurant. Yeah. How'd you come up with that name, man? Well, it was a no-brainer, really, wasn't it? <laughs> even even still, it changed a couple of times. It went from 22 Agnes Street to 22 Agnes to just straight Agnes. Yeah, yeah I think that's subtle and beautiful. Uh, naming restaurants is one of the hardest things in the world to do. It's really hard. Yeah, a it's bit. harder than naming your kids. Really? Yeah. You've got two beautiful kids. Yeah. Yep. One beautiful wife. Yep. She's she's my rock. She's the best. She sorts the wheat from the chaff for me. Normally, I tell people to make sure they thank their wife, and I didn't have to do that <laughs> with you today. Uh, so that's good news. So um, I think everyone that listens to this knows who Ben Williamson is, and if you don't, then sit back and relax and enjoy this. Um, but you've opened up what's probably the best restaurant opening easily in 2020 uh, for Queensland and uh, probably Australia because nowhere else was open. So you, so you won the, the other states by default. But um, you haven't had a million reviewers here or not, but the reviewers are the public and you booked out, you know, a month or two ago, you were booked out till January. Yeah. I had to take you for lunch to make sure that I could get yeah. in. <laughs> and um, so I've been here a couple of times, lucky, with a group of mates and my beautiful wife. And you've set up a thing here that is chef's table filming, like, worthy. It's, it's absolutely stunning. And um, I feel like, you know, like I've just – you walk in that door, you walk in this street, in fact – um, this beautiful building, and then all of a sudden you're, you're just taken on this, dare I say, a journey or discovery or something, but we're in a different world. So actually, if you come into this restaurant, you are, as much as the seating's a little bit separate, it's like you escape from reality. And now I'm doing all the talking, Ben. Yeah. Tell me, <laughs> my mum said, whatever you do, Graham, don't smoke. But your restaurant's all about smoking, man. What's going on? Yeah, so, uh, well, look, I mean, it's very nice of you to say all those things. And... Um, you know, we wanted to build 
the whole the whole point of this was we found this beautiful old building, right? And so we, Ty, my business partner, and I, um, he's got another couple of businesses as well. But the guy that does all his web designs next door, so he was here one day doing talking to him with a meeting, came out and saw this building and it was derelict pretty much. So, uh, but it's just such a great building. It's a hundred years old plus plus I think um, so much character you know it's kind of falling apart in all the best ways yeah it's probably the best way to describe it it is um, and just a weird shape heaps of character and we knew that we had to do something with it that was going to be cool and something that did honor to that character of the building so um, I think the wood smoke part came into it you know bit by bit slowly over time um, I started leaning towards cooking on charcoal more than anything else. You know, it's such a beautiful, natural way to cook. Um, you know, you can't turn it up, you can't turn it down. It's got to, um, it's got to, um, you know, you have to feel it. You have to know it. it. It has its own life, and you need to work with it in a way that you would work with another person. Um, so, how do we level up from that? let's just go all wood fire rather than just charcoal. And if we're going to go all wood fire, we might as well just do all wood fire cooking and not have any other way of doing it. Um, I don't think we're the first to do it by far. Like there's plenty of other restaurants that have done it before um, that led the charge for us uh, to be able to do it well. You know, places like Echabari um, in the Basque Country and Lennox down at Fyador, he's done an awesome job. Like I've always been impressed by what he does down there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that was kind of how it happened per se. You're a very humble, humble person. You, you've kicked a lot of goals in your life, um, uh, and you've also worked for the for the airlines. Yeah, how cool is that? <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone knows that about you. No, it seems seems <laughs> like a lifetime swept, ago. Did as that well. get swept under the table? Somewhere? Yeah, a little bit, I'd say. I had to dig a long <laughs> way because I I said to Scarlett, we don't need to look up anything on Ben. I pretty much know his story, and uh, but she did because she's diligent, and I found that, and I didn't know that about you. So yeah, uh, but. It also talks about the travel that you had and some of the inspiration that you did have. Any of that smoking? Or was any of that, any of this come from any of that? No, I don't think so. Not no, at all. That was a shit question, though. Yeah. <laughs> it was a terrible segue. But, um, no, um, I think, well, I mean, the airline thing was great and I loved doing it. it. It was in my early 20s that I went there. Um, and I kind of, a lot of the people say when I went to work for that airline, a lot of people would say that it's, um, you know, all the air hostesses and the staff that go to work for it in another country are getting away from something. They're all running away from something. Yeah. For me, I was just over the kitchen. I'd had enough working my ass off and, you know, I was in my early 20s. I'd just been through a bad breakup and I just needed to get away from from my own life I guess and see the world and so that's why I decided to do it it was a great opportunity um, so it was sort of like cooking at first class I guess yeah for first class well, guests were you on the airplane were you yeah on the plane oh right yeah so oh, in the wow. first class cabin yeah. When I say cooking for them, it was pretty limited. So sort of, <laughs> there's definitely no charcoal on the airplane. No, mate, there was no any. charcoal at all. <laughs> and they banned smoking years ago, so you're up. Yeah, 100%. But, uh, I mean, look, I was based in the Middle East, and so that's sort of where the Gerard's lead-in yeah, came yeah, uh, okay. way back when. But it's, um, yeah, I guess I guess so. Like, you go through places like Morocco, um, all the Moroccan chicken that you see in all the storefronts when you walk through the city, it's all cooked over charcoal, you know. Yeah. All the shawarma in Bahrain, which is where I was based, that's all cooked on charcoal. It's just all your, all your different cuts of meat, they're all charcoal cooked, and that's the way that they do it over there. And especially with meats, I think meats really lend themselves well to the charcoal. Um, vegetables do as well. Yeah. 
definitely. But um, yeah, cold cooking, I think it's something that's always been the lure to me. And then, yeah, wood fire is the next step. So, I mean, we all think we can do it at home, but it's, it, I, I struggle to just get one thing going and one thing cooked. So to run this team and run an effective sort of schedule in a restaurant, you must need everyone to be on time and, you know, like respect the process as well. Like it's, it's a bit of a big deal. Yeah, the prep's the hardest thing here by far. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got to, it takes you at least an hour and a half to get the fires hot enough to be able to do anything with them, especially in the hearths. You know, the oven, because it's an enclosed space, um, it takes the heat well and encourages it. But the hearths, um, they take forever. They're stone cold. You light the fire in it. It just pulls all the heat out of the wood when you're cooking onto it, and it just takes a lot of time for that to get to where it needs to be. So, yeah, the prep's hard. The other hard part of that is, you know, currently the labour laws in Australia and trying to keep everybody down mm. uh, to the to the minimum hours. So, none of them in Bahrain, is there? No, <laughs> none whatsoever. <laughs> I can tell you a few stories yeah. about that sort of thing in Bahrain, but it's uh, yeah, no, not at all. But I mean, that's been a big challenge here as well. I mean, I've, it's been quite some time since I've been, you know, in the kitchen. The lead up to Agnes opening was quite a long time. And, yes. You know, all these labour laws came in in the meantime, so it's, it's certainly something that we're not, I wasn't used to. Because it's hard because chefs want to be committed and they want to almost do the hours, but it's like, well, if you're here, I've got to be paying you sort of thing. So yeah. as much as I know you want to be here, yeah, it's sort of not the real, is it? I've got to get in writing from at the end of the week. Yeah, right. Yeah, so if they want to come in and do extra hours, it needs to be documented and... You know, with being part of a group, that's that's certainly part of yeah. it as well. There's always that concern. That, you know, because people must want to just work here for nothing, mate, because it's such a bloody place <laughs> to be. Like, really? Like, it, it must be I don't real, know about that. No, like, there's a few places around that young people and, you know, I was saying to Benny Devlin and, you know, there's a few others around that, that people are going to really learn technique and all the beautiful ageing and stuff that you do. Like, it's not your... It's sort of modern, but it's old, but it's not what's taught in normal chef training it's it's um it's an amazing thing so line up kids sign your bit of paper and get in here and see ben yeah please <laughs> the door's wide open so anybody that wants to come um yeah yeah i think it's look you're only ever as good as your staff i think that's something i've learned uh, the hard way over time but it's you know if you don't surround yourself with great people it's there's uh, what you can do is very limited yeah. how do you stay up how do you look after you? How do you make sure that Ben's not a grumpy prick <laughs> and it's just going to shit everyone off in here? Like, because, you know, being the boss, I know, you know, I've had the shits this week, to be honest. And I tell you, if I don't have, if I'm not on, then the whole place doesn't run. Is that the same for you? And how do you maintain that? Yeah, look, I think I'm a bit of a workaholic to yeah. start with. Yeah. So, I mean, being here is kind of my happy place. And Shh. Yeah. Wife's going to listen to this, man. <laughs> Being at home is my happy place as well. There's nowhere I'd rather be. But look, I, I think having balance is super important. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually work pretty hard on it. Over time, I've learned the things that are no good for me and the things that are. And, yeah. you know, having too many drinks after service at the end of the night in the bar, which is something I've always loved to do, to go and sit in the bar and unwind. And you can imagine how hard it is to understand your veg order when you guys have had a drink. It's like... <laughs> Are you kidding me? What the hell are you wanting? So, yeah, yeah there's that's, quite that's a few people one. who go through that process. 
It yeah. is it is a wind down because you guys must get home and can't sleep and like what do you do? You can only yeah. watch so many chefs' tables. And I, and I think it's habit. It becomes a habit over time, and the habit's what's hard to break. Yeah, it's like it becomes a daily routine. So, yeah. but I, I try to cut that out now, and I try to keep that to a minimum. Um, you, you seem to have done that quite well. Like you 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 are a humble person, but you're not all over Instagram. You're not all over you know that stuff. And I think that's what the real rock stars do. It yeah. you know like. You don't see James Vale's bloody texting you back on Instagram because they, they, they just stay on on trend. What they're doing is doing. They're not watching, they're doing. And that's what I know about you. You're doing. You've got to have a little bit of balance to, you know, marketing, whatever it is. Yeah. But, you know, from what I can see from looking outside in, it's you're doing. Yeah. Uh, thank you. It's nice of you to say that. And it's, um, yeah. I'd certainly work hard at it. Social media definitely is something I'm bad at, but me not being on social media probably has a lot more with me being super self-critical. And I go to post something, I think my photo's shit. And I think that what I write sucks. Yeah. I I can't spell, so I'm doing that. Yeah, Yeah, we both need PAs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. good people that can do it I got Scarlet, but she can't spell either. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just for the record. Tough break. (laughs) (laughs) No, she can't actually. I I didn't teach her, but someone did. Um, (laughs) I, you know, you were at Gerard's for years. You had a really good time there. You know, it it was time to jump out and do another another venture of your own. You've met with... um, the boys and they, you know, they've done it before and, you know, got a bit of security and they, they're obviously just experts at, you know, putting stuff together and, and they would have saw you and went, mate, this guy's what we need and they love Ben's because they've got a couple of them, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it was no brainer. Um, so that was very lucky. Uh, you got this beautiful building. Now, in amongst your working days with the beautiful smoking, I've got to ask you about the wood. What, um, and I'm going to ask you about the environment stuff. So, with um, tell me about the wood. What are we doing there? Is that like a secret recipe, the wood, or is it just some wood of a tree? No. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, only because I don't know, and probably everyone else knows, but I don't. It's a very chef's table way of putting it for yeah, sure. But uh, you. <laughs> look, I don't think so. You, you can't just chop a tree down and cook with it, right? So the wood's going to be green if you're doing that, so you call that green, but it's basically it's full of water still and it's not going to be any good for cooking. Um, a lot of the chemicals that will come out of it are quite volatile. You know, you have natural oils that are present in the wood um, without properly drying. Uh, it just becomes, yeah, volatile is the best word, but it gives you a bit of that toxic sort of flavour and it's, um, you know, it won't burn well, takes forever to burn, not good heat. Um, so we're going to do the chef's table thing. We're going out west and we're ringbarking trees yeah. to come back in five <laughs> years. Is that how it works? We're out there with our shooting a duck, cooking over some wood that was already there and testing it. Is that how it works? I wish I could say that's the case, <laughs> but certainly not. I'm too much of a city slicker for that. But <laughs> okay. You wear white sneakers. I've got a guy that does that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm wearing white yeah. sneakers right now. You head up to Falls Farm when you're in white sneakers <laughs> and the lovely people at Falls are taking you through the paddock and you're like, oh, shit. I'm going to buy you a pair of Blundstones for sure. And put I'm that You should be sponsored by doesn't that. own a pair of Blundstones. And you don't take a hat either, do you? You're not, you're that no, guy. I can't wear hats. I'm another one of those people who looks bizarre in a hat. Yeah, I've right. just got a weird head for hats. Yeah, okay. yeah Which I hate because I'd love to wear a hat. But I can't wear them anyway, but I wear them one every day just because <laughs> I'm going so bald. But yeah. So what are you doing for the environment, Ben? What's I know that's something that you talk about here. What are you actually doing, mate? For the environment? Yeah, like we we got a bloody vegetable, you know, sustainability. Like do we have a garbage bag that 
compost? Do we like what? What are you doing? Because it, it, when I did a little bit of read up, it was something that's important to you. I know it's important to you. It was, yeah. So look, I think we were going to try and go down the path of being um, as uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like a closed loop as possible. Um, carbon neutral, uh, not use too many plastics, not use too much disposable plastic, um, which we still try to do. But it's, um, look, I think COVID sort of put a bit of a rest to that and we had to rethink the business model and how we are going to go forward, oh, which I'm much, sure a lot of people... Yeah, are how much packaging got bought through COVID for home deliveries? I know, right? <laughs> my God. I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm breaking my heart as well. Like, Yeah. yeah. Look, we, we just try not to use as much disposable plastic as we can. So, you know, rather than buy takeaway containers, we have decor containers that we buy that are reusable um, while they're still plastic is just a you get to use them it's an economical times. way and we can yeah. use them a thousand times they don't yeah. get wasted yeah um, you know veggies and compost we'd like to go down the path of doing that um, for now we just try not to waste as much as we can so most yeah. of the trim that we use from things will get made into something else yeah yeah so you like dry them and make them in dust and stuff is that yeah. still doing that yeah, yeah 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 we do all that and i've got um we've got a fermentation room here underneath the stairs access from the laneway it's kind of like we call it the harry potter cupboard right, yeah. it's um it's full of ferments so uh, we ferment different things and um you know we've been making a lot of yeah a lot of waste products in that way so you know during the um during the bakery days that we had with COVID, where we did a pop-up bakery, we had a lot of excess bread and sourdough that was left over every day, um, like a lot, a lot. So that got made into miso, for example. So we've got four big 20-litre carboys down at one of the other venues out the back in the storage room that are going with miso, uh, bread miso. There's a ton of that. Um, not quite ready yet, but looking very promising. And th those are the kind of things we try to do to minimise waste, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, an amazing time when you did that pop-up bakery. Tell me about the lineup that was up the road. Yeah, it was nuts. I don't. I reckon yeah. I got here at like a little bit before six one morning, um, and um, I thought I just you know got on my phone and started looking down. Then all of a sudden there was a line a hundred meters long. I was like, and it was literally three minutes it took. I, I thought I'd just sit in the car and wait because no, like there was one or two people there. And then all of a sudden there was this line up the street and. How did you like become a baker so quickly, mate? Yeah, we didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Look, and again, I was lucky. I had some pretty competent people um, already in the fold that mm. we could. I knew we could have used. Yeah. Like um, when it started to happen. I mean, as everyone would know, it was such a strange time, and it happened so so sort of slowly but quickly at the same time. Everyone could see it coming. It was sort of like that train crash in slow yeah. motion, where you knew something bad was about to go down but you weren't quite sure when it was going to happen and how severe it was going to be. So, um, it's, uh, You're sort of talking like it's over, but it feels like it's time it's still in the car crash. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're lucky here. It's, yeah. it's busy enough. Yeah. I kind of do feel like that we're, we're yeah. lucky enough and yeah. it's over for now. Fingers crossed. Well, compared so to last year, you're up heaps. Ain't <laughs> 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 hey, that the truth? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> but, um, it's, yeah, we looked around and what could we do? We, we knew we couldn't do a takeaway offering because nobody knew what we were doing already and, and I don't think it was a good way to launch the yeah. product that we were going to have. Um, you know, we had a wood-fired oven there. We were already testing sourdough. So, um, yeah, it was a, a bit of a, well, retail seems to be doing well. People will still be able to get out and access that. We don't know how long it's going to go for. Um, we had all the staff that were already employees. We were about a week and a half away from opening. So we knew we had to do something to generate 
income for them. You know, I'd put every dime that I had to my name into the opening of this business, thinking that in a week and a half we were going to open. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I was pretty much with a flat bank account. So we, yeah, we had to do something. The bakery, I think, was we can do it for a while, and then if it happens to blow out and it becomes a six month or a year that restaurants are not going to be a thing which we were lucky enough it didn't happen, but we knew that that could be a sustainable thing that would get us through. Um, was it here why it was cool? Is there still a bakery? Have you got a bakery now? No. Yeah. No. Well, was part of it because it's such a cool place? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the pastry was delicious, don't get me wrong, but yeah. Um, yeah, you didn't chop that up and put it somewhere else? Well, yeah, we did. I mean, we couldn't do everything from here, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know, but now you haven't... So you I know the answer, so you haven't put it... You haven't gone, well, let's keep the bakery and throw some people at that and put it over there because the boys obviously have a million businesses, so they didn't want to transfer that bakery or that no, was we just, really wanted to. Yeah, yeah you did. We, you just, we wanted to continue it even in the bar. How, how was that... During the day. Them decisions to stop doing things like that, yeah. difficult. So there's a lot of people have had little COVID saviours and they've had to either put them on hold because, or, you know, gone, that's a great idea, but we just can't do it otherwise. I'm going to yeah. kill myself I'm going to get a divorce and become an alcoholic <laughs> and I'm going to yeah. use a lot more plastic. So yeah, yeah, none yeah. of that's good. So, yeah, that would have been a hard decision to let that go because it was a pumping little thing, obviously a line up the hill. It was a tough decision, but for me, I knew that the, we had to open the restaurant. Yeah. We built this place to be a restaurant and it had to be open. So to, to be honest, it was me that was pushing for the restaurant to be open. Ty would have been happy to keep it, keep it going as long as we possibly could. Yeah. Um, I see the value of continuing the bakery and I just think the bakery need, probably needs to be its own thing in another building when we find another building that has the same amount of characters. So the bakery stands. might be back. Yeah, I'm working, we're working on it. Can we just call it Agnes Bakery but have it in some other weird street? Like, yeah, that's, what we're, that's the plan, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> Don't patent that name, anyone. <laughs> no. It's, yeah, we, I would really love to. And yeah. I actually really enjoyed the bakery. It was one of those things that... I never in a thousand years would have thought that that would have been something I'd be interested in doing. And since then, I really loved it and I really want to sink my teeth back into it again. Um, but that's a story for another day, I think. Yeah, well, you know, like other chefs who are amazing and like Joe Barrett's doing all that bread stuff that she's been doing, yeah. absolute inspiration. And it's sort of like the start, isn't it? It's like the start's the first thing you eat a lot of times in yeah. restaurants. Uh, you know, if you can get that bread right and then obviously pastries lead off from that, to help you with the, the end desserts. I guess, is that another reason? Did any of the inspiration from the bakery lead into the desserts here? Yes, yeah, uh, definitely. That. And we'll, we'll continue along that path. At the moment, the only thing stopping us from you know doing Queen Amman desserts and layered pastries and the rest of it is um, you know room in the wood-fired oven. There's a lot of prep needs to get done in a very small wood-fired oven downstairs. So yeah. we're pretty limited with the amount of stuff that we can pump out of it. So you can't make another one? No. It's a well, a building that took you two years to get through council already. You're not going to let you. Yeah, put <laughs> I just don't have any space. Can we put this fire in this wooden brick building, please? <laughs> and we're going to smoke. No, we're not going to just have a fire here every night. Yeah, sometimes people won't be here. I can see why it took so long in council. You were in Sydney working hard, leaving the family here. Tell me about that tough time because what I want people to understand and. Um, sort of really try and relate to is that it's not always easy. Like a lot of people think that, you know, even we've had it easy or whatever, but I think, you know, this year's been hard. Every year's been hard. You know, I know how hard you've worked for many years at Gerard's and many years at other places before that. But I think sometimes people just think it sort of happens. Now, that particular year, 
that where you were working on this full time in your brain and building this. I'm sure you would have had a lot to do with the building. And then you had to go to Sydney and work. Tell me about that isolation. Was it fun? Was it hard? What was what happened that uh, year? Okay, so I suppose we'll go back to the beginning with that. Um, when I left Gerard's, I got a phone call um, not very long after that from a guy called Ibby that has a restaurant called Noor in Sydney. So it was a place I'd done a collaboration with them through Gerard's in the past. Um, so I sort of had met Ibby and I'd been through that. He just wanted to sort of overhaul his restaurant, which is called Noor in Surrey Hills. Um, yeah, modernise the menu a little bit and bring it forward and freshen the place up and invigorate it. Um, so at first I, I wasn't sure that I wanted to do it and I knew that the restaurant was uh, well, was supposed to open in August that year. So weighing it up and then over time, you know, the delays started becoming apparent and the time, the length of delays started becoming so apparent. That was August 19, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 19. Yeah, yeah. So that was supposed to open, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been quite a while. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, look, it was a great opportunity and it was certainly something I needed. I didn't have a ton of money. Well, I did. I had a lot of money, but that money was my life savings to put into this restaurant opening. Um, so I, I knew I couldn't chew into that um, too much. So, yeah, I needed to do something. And Noor, it was just a great opportunity at the right time to go and overhaul. Um, yeah, six months. It was really hard. It really was. Mm, you missed your like, family because I, I remember speaking to you. That's why it's an easy question for me. I knew you were, you know, you were, you were missing your family. Yeah, I was, I was sort of talking to you once. Well, it was kind of fly in, fly out. So you know, great respect to the people that do that. But it's yeah. um, Wednesday morning. I'd get up at three o'clock in the morning for the first flight out down to Sydney, um, so I could get there by eight or nine in the morning. Um, get straight into the kitchen, start working on the dishes. Start getting the staff set up, and then that would end up being on all day. I'd get out, you know, one o'clock at night uh, from that, or two even, depending on the day. And I hope then, you sign that bit of paper, mate. No, no, for me, I'd work that way anyway. <laughs> I don't know any other way to work. It's <laughs> a sad story, but yeah, yeah. testament to my wife that <laughs> she keeps the family together. But it's, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was day after day of that and look it wasn't a requirement of the job it's just the way that I like to work so there's no bad reflection on them and mm. I'm happy to do that um, I don't ask for extra money to do that it's just the way that I am I think I think it's just the way a lot of chefs are it's like you're there I won't go home you know you're only getting rolling after about eight hours come yeah. on let's get this let's keep it going yeah yeah that's it particularly if it's a short stint as well where you're trying to get as much as you can and if you're away from your family what else are you going to do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It would, look it was it was good it was a big learning curve. I learned a lot about, uh, you know, setting up systems in a restaurant. Um, you know, at Gerard's, it was very much, you know, we, we work day to day. I'm very hands-on. I like to change recipes on the fly um, constantly. So, you know, a standard recipe book wasn't really something that was on the shelf. It was always the recipes were interchanging day to day, um, minor tweaks here and there. Um, but with that set up, I needed to leave it so that there was a system in place and standards and, um it was always going to be a short time frame and so that, that was a big learning curve uh, for me and I think something that kind of helped um, with how to run a tight business. A chef's good at that. A chef's good at maintaining food costs. They get a bit excited about things. I think they think they are. Yeah, right. I think I thought that I was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but with time, I think it's something that you learn and until it's your own business and those profit margins matter oh, to I can you. tell. I can tell when the guy runs it himself 
And the guy that's ordering this shit, I'll just go, mate, I know the owner. Don't even think about sending that him. He's going to vomit if he gets that. Like, <laughs> honestly, that stuff, like, there's a lot of stuff that I would not be using. What is a cool, what is an uncool ingredient right now? Uncool. I love hitting you up with these questions. Yeah. Because I, I know stuff you don't use, and um, I'm not going to say them. You can say them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's I think the, look, the, easy, the easy targets. I mean, microherbs is a super easy target. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think and that's that's been a dirty word for a long time. Yeah, it has, yeah. Uh, I don't know. What's some uncool? Alfalfa sprouts. <laughs> I don't think there's anything more twist, uncool than that. Is Twist of Orange and Alfalfa and Parsley... <laughs> Ever going to be cool? I think it's cool. I'm just thinking right now, it's cool. It's yeah. going to be cool. We're going to let that be cool. Well, uh, the funny thing is, when you asked that, it's only yesterday that, um, you know, my sous chef here, Callum Gray, his wife made him a sandwich to eat yesterday. It was like a chicken salad sandwich and it was full of alfalfa. <laughs> <laughs> and he copped an untold amount of shit yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's certainly the most uncool ingredient, I think. Uh, alfalfa or microhose? Yeah. What do we got? Alfalfa. Let's go alfalfa. It has to be good for you, but come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no, microhose, <laughs> I, I, I see where you're going there. And I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's modern either, but... Um, I noticed what you do do is you use like um, the flowers that are seasonal. It might be a flower of a broccoli, it might be the flower yep. of a rapini, it might be the flower of a mustard. And uh, you had that on the plate here the other night when I was here. And um, uh, and and you also had vases of it, uh, yeah. which just you know once again sets this whole beautiful mood. And yeah, yeah. your connection with people like Falls must be must be just paramount. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. yeah the. You know, Christine, she drives a hard bargain up she's, there. She's agreed to be on the podcast, so great. I'm going to get her on. Love Christine. Yeah, she's yeah, great. She's... She keeps me on my toes. Yeah. Um, tardiness with ordering, mainly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, would no, you? No, no. But she, uh, no, she, she's fantastic, and they're really hands-on. You know, there's a, and there's a ton of little small farms around Brisbane that yeah. are starting to pop up that I think are doing great things. And, mm. you know, it's guys like yourself, Graham, that work with those farms mm. and pull them together and give them a vehicle to be able to distribute the things that they do, yeah. um, I think is a great thing. And you know, hats off to guys like yourself yeah. um, that enable that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, we, we like to think that we can develop them and, and um, you know, communicate and then introduce them and, and let them blossom. It's, it's really about having an amazing food system, you know, so opportunity for everyone. Yeah. Um, to, to get out there and, and understand the whole process. So I, I think it's a part of the inspiration of food. If you walk around farms like Falls and other farms, you actually, you know, like we were on a farm yesterday and we we're walking past and I'm, I'm saying to Scarlett, this is purslane. You know, I'm going through the weeds, kills the farmers, I hate it. There's steam nettle everywhere, there was this. And like, he's showing me pack toy and other things. I'm like, yeah, but what about this? You know, and I know that actually annoys a lot of, sh- uh, a lot of farmers, but, um, it was creating, you know, some other opportunities for them. Like, hey, mate, throw on a bit of that so that we can turn that into something. So yeah. I think going to the farm and getting right back to the dirt, these guys that, you know, like we're working with, um, have for done for years, Cooper Shoot, who start this week, and they've got these beautiful tomatoes that they've been seeding for years. And, you know, to know how they've worked the soil and to, um, to breed the seeds, so that all the seeds are theirs, and say so that you're not going to find this tomato anywhere else in the world. It's the breed that they've developed. It's such an exciting pup. But if you don't understand that story or appreciate that, one, you're going to drop the box when you put it down because you don't give a shit or you don't even understand how to give a shit because you haven't learnt the full thing. I don't understand how 
we can translate that through to the to the eating people who are here. They've had two drinks. They're impressing their girlfriend. They ordered the expensive steak, and you know what's actually happening. Yeah. Because there is such a lot of beauty. It just comes out on the plate here, so you don't often need to. Yeah. I think sometimes people try and take too much of that. When we're here to eat delicious food, yes. and there's too much of a story sometimes. But I think it's good for us to know the story, and to be able to put that through and feel it and respect it. I don't know why I'm telling this long story, but I think you agree. <laughs> but I think what I'm trying to do is embrace that and, and educate that, and and you know I'm you know right now talking to the listeners saying you know do that. Make sure if you want inspiration, get off your fucking phone and head out to any of these farms. Falls would be my, my you know one of the ones, but um, you know, bring me. I'll take you somewhere. But um, you know, there's so so much inspiration. Is that where you find? It? Is that where you get it? Is that from the land? That beautiful radish dish that you have on the menu? Yep. Um, what's the sauce? What's the dipping stuff with it? So it's like a, it's a labna basically, but with, um, with a shallot oil put through it. So the intention is so it sort of tastes a bit like a sour cream and onion Pringle. It does. It's exactly <laughs> what it does. I, I, like my table said that and I'm just like, I meant to do that, but that's that is exactly the flavour yeah. I was getting. So you so. don't feel guilty eating it, right? So no, it's a fresh radish. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'd that actually you still get picked up. There. I was doing the thumb on the plate, <laughs> licking my finger, and the table across the road was looking at me like, "What are you doing?" Just after I um, I pulled. I was pulling. Oh, I was separating the bread. Right, the bread is just a beautiful product, and it's got the perfect crispy outside. Right, yep. so I'm separating the. And you know what I did? I pulled it apart. I hit my beer and went flying across the table. You didn't see it because I was right near the kitchen. Now I was put. I put a beer nearly all over the guy next to me, but um. The, that bread was true to its, you know, everything you want bread to be. It was so delicious. And you're smoking the butter and stuff as well. Yeah, we're actually, we culture the butter in-house as well. Ah, so wow. um, we get cream out of Mulaney's Dairy um, by bulk. So, and again, with the sustainable thing, we get it in 20-litre buckets. Um, we send the buckets back uh, to the creamery. Um, yeah, we culture it. It takes three days. It's actually a really simple process. I don't know why I wasn't doing it years ago. And it's so much more economical than buying cultured butter. Um, sorry to the purveyors of culture butter around town, but yeah. it really is simple. Yeah. Add, add culture, three days, let it get to the you know, correct amount of sourness, um, fridge overnight, and then just beat it, and you get beautiful buttermilk. You get beautiful smoked butter. You smoke the cream a little bit before you start. You got smoked buttermilk. You got smoked butter. This is what I mean about kids wanting to work here. Like this is this is a perfect place to start. How would you do that? Like, do people actually come and ask you to do that? Because like, not much. Scarlet's gonna. Yeah. <laughs> people definitely I think young people would 100% want to be a part of this if, if food is their passion and they want to get into the industry 100% they I, do it for free I worked for free for a while yeah I, I, get it. I would free. do it too. If I didn't have mouths to feed at home, I would be there doing it 100% <laughs> as well. Yeah. You know, you're still always hungry to learn. Look, I think reaching out in social media to me is probably the worst way of doing it because I'm so hopeless with social media. I really am bad. I just, I'm in my little world here doing what I do. It's knocking on the door, isn't it? Not so much. Come and knock on the door. Yeah. Come and stick your head in there. I think it goes a long way. Old-fashioned, and it's the best way to go. And usually the guys that I've had come in that have done that have turned out to be really solid workers that have the initiative to go there and do it. It takes balls, I guess, Mm. but it pays off. What would you do differently here? Oh, a thousand things. I'm the most most self-critical person, I think. Uh, A ton of different things. Um, I would have given myself more space for storage. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think that's the biggest thing. Um, I, I don't think we need as much space as I gave myself for cooking on either with a fire. I think I probably would have condensed that down. Um, you know, I've got a smoker in, which was something that we got in afterwards, which I've got on the rooftop bar outside at the moment. But oh, I would have yeah. liked to have worked that into the line. I think it would have made things a lot more easier. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a hundred things. But I, I continually look at what I do every day, all the time, and I'm never really satisfied with anything to a fault sometimes, I think. But also I think it pays off to be that way. And um, How do you do that with a, like, yeah. by maintaining positivity? But like, because you've got to be, like I said, you, you can, you can, if you're criticising everything all the time, like, there must be a, you know, a balance of, yeah. okay, let's, this is what we're doing for now, but, or is it just, a, hey, I want to improve this sort of thing? I just check myself constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I've learned over time as yeah. well. And you've got to, internalize what you're thinking and you have to take a step back from yourself and look at it for what it is and you have look the guys that are working around you they watch what you're doing all the time and if you're setting a bad example by being a grumpy shit and throwing pots and pans around which I'm guilty of 100% but every time I do it you try to say to yourself you know know, when you look at other people doing that it's such an ugly thing and you just I guess you have to be reflective but I think it comes with age, Graham. I think the older you get, mm. the wiser you get. I mean, it's such a cliche, but it's very true. Mm. Um, Isn't it greyer you get? Yeah, I've certainly <laughs> gone pretty grey. <laughs> so three grey years ago, you weren't grey at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I spotted one three years ago. Oh, I'm just embracing it now. Yeah. I'm just letting it go. You know, yeah. My father went grey really early as well, but he had a beard too um, growing up. But he... Um, yeah, he shaved his beard off and he started going grey, but I'm just going to keep it. I've got a weird face anyway. So. Oh, you're a good I've got a, a neck face. <laughs> <laughs> What's, uh, where, does, where does Ben go for a cheeky eat somewhere? Do you, where, where do you oh, eat? A nice cosy bar somewhere, something yeah. just super chill, super yeah. relaxed. Um, that's my go-to. I just I love that sort of dining. I, I did I did I catch you? In, did I catch you having lamb shop here once when I was kind of sweet? Yeah. We were doing. That's we went had lamb shop together. That was oh, great. that's right. I mean, you went. Yeah. You yeah, yeah, yeah. What about uh, yeah? Anything that's else? Business yakitori. I love. Yeah. Um, I love going there. Um, look, I don't get out and eat much at all. Um, I really don't. I, look, because of the amount of time and work that I put in here, I try to be home as much as possible. Yeah, and I cook at home whenever I'm there. All the time. My wife bakes me lunch, so I don't get to do it much. But I'm, yeah. What about uh, have you have you have you heard from Nick Nunu? Have you seen him much? He's, um, no. Yeah. I haven't. Nick's. I've been watching his videos. Yeah, he's funny. Isn't um, he? <laughs> he's the loosest human being. I love yeah. him bits. Yeah. But he. Um, yeah. I look, Nunu is another place I love to go. The thing that's great about Nick is Nick just cooks off the cuff every day. He does everything off the cuff every day. Yeah. He bought a big dog guy. off the cuff. <laughs> Yeah. His wife goes, what are you doing bringing this big dog out? Yeah. Actually, I will tell you something, and you've just you've jogged my memory. I think the whole wood fire thing here and the way we set this up, his home kitchen uh, was a big inspiration for me for doing what we did here. Yeah. Uh, he, I don't know anybody that has the opportunity. Well, you've probably all seen him if you've seen his videos, but he set up this, you know, he's, he's up in Cairns, uh, far north Queensland, and uh, Palm Cove, sorry, not Cairns, just outside. But yeah. He's handmade this kitchen and built it himself outside. It's made from all these sleepers that he found when they did a renovation at Nunu that they ripped up out of the ground and he just took all that product and put stainless steel on the top of it and there's wood and there's this massive old tractor tyre that he's turned into a big wood-fired wok burner and it walks there and 
It's a wood-fired oven that he built himself from scratch, and it's the most incredible tropical kitchen you've ever seen. It's like something in, I don't know, Tulum in Mexico or something. Yeah. It's just amazing, and he cooks in there. And I did a collaboration with him a few years back, and you know, I was lucky enough for him to cook for me the day after at his house, and we sat around and just cook things on fire and some beers and it was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had and hats off you Nick for that because you inspired a lot in me that day and um, yeah. He inspires me too, I did a podcast with him as well so for everyone listening make sure you check that one out because he talks about how he loves gets memi sapoti and puts them on the fire yeah, and yeah. peels them back like a bloody uh, I, um, charred capsicum and this guy just found any fruit and just put it on the char and like, okay what's going to happen now. Do you get inspired by a lot of those native ingredients? But I, I know. But what about the um, tropical stuff? Anything there that can play into this menu? Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of it. I think with desserts, certainly. Yeah. Um, we're just about to look at, I think, custard apples. So we've seen a few around, and I'd like to probably do something with that yeah. coming up. So there's a few downstairs that we're going to have a play with pretty soon. But um, They come up real quick, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, they're up. Hard today, soft tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a few like that as well. I mean, we've been working with guavas as well. Yeah. Um, over time, there's a cocktail that's in the bar that they do with, um, yeah, they, but we burn guavas really hard on the fire so they're black on the outside and, you know, dripping all the sugars and everything out, out of themselves. And then we infuse that into tequila and make a cocktail with that and it's delicious. Um, I think because the season's starting to go there, we're about to switch that into mango. Um, but yeah, certainly fire and tropical fruit definitely works. What are you gonna do with the mandarin thing with the beef? That's a delicious little added the secret. That's like the kernels. Yeah. Spices. Isn't that, yeah. I love that. And does that just store? Can you use that out of season? It takes forever. Yeah, it really does. So that one that you had the other night when you came in, that took four months for yeah. it to be ready. Um, and that's a process. I don't know if anybody knows what Yuzu Kosho is um, from Japan. It's a similar product to that, but it's a regional variant, which basically, um, in summer, when the peppers, the red peppers are ripe, they salt them when they're at their best and they salt them until uh, autumn. They take them out and then in winter, when the snow starts to fall, um, they take the salted chilies and throw them out into the snow and then the process of freezing and thawing and freezing and thawing extracts a lot of the salt out of the chilies but also a lot of the heat. Um, so you get this sort of really super fruity result which they blend with koji um, and yuzu skins and then fer ferment it again and age it. I think they age it it's a ridiculous amount, it's a year or something. You know. Yeah, yeah, a long time. And the longer you age it, the better it gets. But uh, yeah, so we did a variant where we did basically the same process, but instead of throwing them in the snow, which we certainly don't have in Queensland, we uh, <laughs> froze and defrosted them multiple times to extract it. And then- Max, I do that at home all the time. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Things we do, and if you saw the freezer here, it's literally just one small stand-up freezer that's usually full of stuff. It's, uh, yeah, so, yeah, and then the ferment, and, you know, making the koji's a process as well, and, um, but the results are so incredible and you know yuzu we had a little bit for a while here but mandarin we got a ton and there's some really great mandarins around so um, putting that skin in was a no-brainer um, I love yeah. that you've just kept it mandarin mango custard apple and, and I mean you could go burdock and there's a million other fruits as well that are that are just cool for the sake of it but you know, I'm glad you've just you know, nailed it yeah. with, that, with something that people actually know what it is as well so. well that was the thing with Agnes as well I really wanted this restaurant to be accessible to everybody um, I didn't want to get tied up too much in trend um, I didn't want to get too much tied up in what I thought other chefs thought of us um, or other restaurateurs and 
you know, the scene as it is, we just wanted to do a restaurant that was for the customer. And going forward, I think that's probably where I'd like to be. I'd like to work on business and be very customer focused. I think that's the goal. But also give them experience, right? And have have a setting that is interesting, cool and comfortable to sit in. It is like walking in, like I said at the very start, into a into another world. You've done a really great job of that. Yes, I'm getting closer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, thank you for... I think we're going to wrap this up. I um, have really enjoyed talking to you. Right. I consider you a good mate and uh, I love watching you grow and, and do your own thing and um, hard because you don't put much on Insta. I've got to come and look through the window, which is <laughs> really weird, particularly if I'm not in the restaurant that night looking through the window. looks weird. But, yeah, no, we... we um, love what you're doing here. Love the space. Fortunate to um, yeah have this restaurant in Brisbane, and I don't need to tell people to come here. They they know what to do. So um, thank you for being a part of our little podcast, and I hope everyone gets some value out of that. Thanks, Graham. Pleasure. Very easy. Done. Cheers. <laughs>